Let me talk to you a minute about doing our part. I love that, that passage of Scripture that we just read with Gideon. And most of us are familiar with the story of Gideon, how, how the Lord took him and just with 300 men were able to defeat the Midianites just because they, they were fighting themselves. It was just incredible how God did it. But I want to look at some things in that passage of Scripture that apply to us. I don't know if you, if you uh, read the news or heard yesterday, but there was another shooting in a, in a synagogue in Pittsburgh. And, and you look around in our culture, and it seems like everything is upside down. And, and, and if you look at it from the human perspective, the human eye, the human reasoning and understanding, we would look at it and we'll say, there is no hope. But we're here today in the house of God with hope. The reason why we're here is because the God of all creation has given us hope. He has told us and He has promised us and if it were not so, I would have told you. He has prepared a way for us to have eternal life. No matter what chaos is in this life, we have hope. Not only do we have hope, do you realize that we are vicariously through Christ the hope of the world? That's why the Scripture says, Let your light so shine among men that they may glorify God. I believe that, that we live in a time where God's people need to let their light shine. I'm going to say it again. That's what I was waiting for, brother, right there. That's it. So, I want you to look at somebody next to you, if you would. Look around. Look at some other people around you. Stare at them for a minute. Don't give them the evil eye. Just, just, just stare at them. Let me ask you, what do you see? What do you see? Smiling faces. You see, you see friendly people. You see your friends. You see uh, those that you are familiar with. But did any of you see valiant warriors? How about, how about mighty men and women of God? Did we see that? Here's what Scripture says. Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, was having some identity issues because they were saying, I have of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Christ. And they, they didn't know who they were and where they were going and what they were doing. And Paul had to kind of reel them in. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, he says this. He says, now you are the body of Christ. Now, right now. Not, not tomorrow, not next day, not next year, not when the Lord comes back. But right now, you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. I want you to, to let that sink in for a moment, that you are part of the body of Christ. If you're a child of God, if you've surrendered your heart to Him, if you've confessed to Him and He is your Lord and Savior, you are part of the body of Christ. You know what part you are? He says, He sets you in the body where it pleases Him. He puts you, every part of the body has, has a function. And, and in the body of Christ, it is no different. Paul is using this, this analogy to let us understand that everybody, every person that is a child of God is essential to the wellness of the church. 
Every single one of us have a part to play. Everyone is important. Everyone is essential. Now, what, what he has called us to is, is up to him. And here's when you, if he has put us in the body of Christ, we have a function in the body of Christ. And he has equipped us to be uh, successful in what he has called us to do. The only thing we have to do is what he wants of us, asks of us. It, it may not be anything magical or amazing. It may be a kind word. See, we embrace the Great Commission. We're a Great Commission church. We like to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But we embrace the Great Commission by fulfilling that personal ministry that God has called each and every one of us to. In Acts chapter 9, Ananias was called to go pray for Saul of Tarsus. Saul had been knocked off his donkey and the Lord had spoke to him in the great light and, and he was blind and, and he had been repenting and giving his life to the Lord and, and the Lord speaks to Ananias and says, Ananias, I want you to go pray for Saul of Tarsus so he can be my witness. And Ananias, the only time that I see him in Scripture, is going and praying for Saul. I wonder what would happen if Ananias wouldn't have gone. He would have missed out. See, the only thing he had to do was just go pray for one person. But that one person gave us most of the New Testament and turned the then-known world right side up for Christ. Your only job may be to pray for somebody, may be to encourage somebody, may be to bless somebody, but that somebody that you're blessing and encouraging may be the person that turns our community right side up for Jesus Christ. Every single one of us, when we look at, when we look at the daunting task of, of presenting the gospel to the world, we look at it and we say, oh, it's overwhelming. But do you realize that God is not calling us to do the supernatural? He's just calling us to do the natural. He's calling us to do what He wants us to do. See, it's obedience on our part that brings God's plan. Nathan the prophet stood before the king and said, David, you're the man. You're, you're the one. And Nathan the prophet, by changing a king, changed a kingdom. One man. So how do, how do, you, how do you stay focused? Uh, I stay focused on, on the task that's ahead of me by, by realizing that this world is temporary. Some, so it's so easy to get involved in the things of this world and, so, and get my life wrapped up in everything that we do here. And, and it's so easy to, to lose sight. And when I lose sight of the bigger picture, then, then I can lose sight of what God is calling me to do in the Great Commission. And yet, if I understand that this world is temporary, it's going to fa uh, fade. It's just like the grass and the, and, the, and, the, and the flowers. They're here one day and they're gone tomorrow. Unless I'm taking care of them, then they're here today and gone today. But eternity is forever. Not only is this temporal, but it's short. It's short. It doesn't take long to live a life. I mean, I, I look around and I, I, I blinked and, and, you know, and it was 20 years ago. And, you know, and, and, and it, you just don't know where the time goes. 
It, it's just, you know, and the sad part I think about life is just about the time I get to figure it all out and I really start enjoying it. It's about the time I'm going to die. Isn't that sad? But with Christ, we don't have to worry about that. It's, it's temporal. It's short. Eternity awaits us. Don't you, aren't you happy for that? Eternity. I, I stay focused by realizing that I belong to Christ. I don't belong to myself. I don't belong to anybody else. I belong to Christ because my salvation was free, but it cost him everything. He bought us. He owns us. Christ bought us with his own blood. He shed his blood in, and we belong to him. You know what really keeps me focused on everything? It's simply this. I keep realizing in prayer and when I'm reading, when, when I see Jesus, nothing else is going to matter. I always keep that picture in, in seeing Jesus face to face. The one that has loved us and blessed us and kept us and encouraged us and lifted us up when we've fallen down and, and, and walked through with us through the difficult times and celebrated with us with the victorious times. That same one that has this great love and compassion that he gave and gave his life for us. That same one, that redeemer, that, that savior, that sanctifier, that healer, that one that has blessed us so much. There's going to be a day when you're going to stand before him and you're going to see the radiance of his glory. And here's what I want to hear him say. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You remember in Matthew 25 where he was separating the sheep and the goats and, and, and to the sheep they, he said man when I, when, when I was hungry you gave me something to eat when I was thirsty you, you gave me something to drink when I was a stranger you brought me in when I was naked you clothed me when I was sick you, 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 you blessed me and when I was in prison you came to visit me and they said when did we do all those things and, and he said every time you did it to somebody else what he was saying is every time you did your part in the body of Christ. You did it for me. And, and if you notice something about that whole, that whole laundry list, uh, uh, this whole list of what Christ calls us to, he said when they were hungry, when they were thirsty, when they were strangers, when they needed clothing, when they were sick, when they were in prison, these are all things that we can do in our own strength. Not a one of them require the supernatural power of God. Every single one of them. See, God always calls us to, to do what we can where we are with what we have. That's our part. We do the natural and God does the supernatural. See, the story of Gideon is a prime example of that. Here, here's Gideon and Israel is going through troubled times. The Midianites have controlled Israel for seven years and the Midianites were brutal uh, they, were, they would come in and they were taking their crops, their livestock, everything else. They, they, they were impoverished. Uh, Israel had no hope. It was a generation that grew up either under a corrupt culture or oppression. See, before the seven years, there was a corrupt culture. So you have to kind of get the picture that, that Gideon... Kind of like a lot of people in our world today. There's a lot of people, I know that if you have a little bit of age, uh, you, you'll know, you'll remember when times were better. 
But we live in a culture today that, that a lot of our younger people, a lot of our younger adults, don't remember a time without corruption the way we have now. Or oppression the way you see it around the world. And, and yet here is Israel and, and, and Gideon, and he's a product of his culture. This is all he has ever known. And they've heard about the stories, but they've never seen them. They're looking for somebody to bring them hope. They're looking for somebody to bring redemption. They're looking for somebody to give them a future. And this is what the scripture says. He says, now, oh, we already read that one. Let's move on. See, I just quoted that one before. Wasn't that, that was so good. I'm going to give myself a pat on the back for that one. Judges 6, he says, And the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak tree in Ophrah that belonged to Joash. So, so here, is, here is the angel of the Lord. Now that is, that is just a descriptor for, for Jesus. He's in a theophany or angelic body because if you look at verse 14, it says, And Jehovah said, spoke to him. So this is really the Lord. And the Lord is sitting under an oak tree and he's watching Gideon and he's threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now, if you know anything about, about threshing wheat, which I'm not an expert on, but I, I have stayed at a Holiday Inn. So, but when you have, when you have wheat, you throw it up in the air and, and the wind catches it and it blows the chaff away. That's why the Bible says that... that uh, in, in Psalm 1, the ungodly are not so, but like the, the chaff which the wind drives away because the wheat will fall down, but the, the chaff gets caught in the air. But when you're doing that a lot, it develops a cloud in the air that you can see from a long distance. You do it out in the open. You do it in a field. And what Gideon is doing, he's in a wine press. He's in a, in a, in a big vat where they would put the grapes in and then they would mash them down and then they would run through different little bills. Uh, but he's about four foot down in this little hill beating the, he's beating the wheat. He's not he's, he's threshing it. He's not hitting it. He, he is just barely chapping it trying to blow it up and drive off the chaff because he does not want to create a cloud. He does not want anybody to see him. And here he is and and, and the Lord is watching him do this. He's watching him in this, in this wine press. He's watching him try to hide so he can have a little substance for himself and for his family. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to him, when, when, when the Lord and left the, the tree and came over to him, he looked at him and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Did Gideon look like a mighty warrior? Was he acting like a mighty warrior? See, it, it's not about that. Gideon was the product of his culture, and he was acting on what he knew. And God knew his weaknesses. God was watching his weaknesses. God knew what his fears were. And he still went up and said, Hey, God, uh, you are a mighty warrior because Gideon was called a mighty warrior because it's not what he was doing, but what he was going to do. It's not, it was how God perceived him, not how he perceived himself. Can I speak to that just for a moment? Just because I like to meddle. 
You may not perceive yourself as, as a mighty warrior, but it really doesn't matter what we perceive ourselves at, not near as much as what we perceive God as. See, we, we can have deficiencies in our own spirit, in our own character, and we can think less of who we really are. But when we have a right understanding of who God is, it overcomes, it circumvents, it, it goes around, it supersedes how we think about ourselves. Because there are many times in, in our lives that we don't feel adequate, but when we rely on the one that is, It's like last week when we talked about faith. See, we may not think that we're, we're everything that God says, but do you realize that the Scripture tells us, calls us the children of God? The Scripture calls us that we are overcomers, that we're victorious, that we're redeemed, that we're more than conquerors through Him that loves us, that greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper, that He has overcome, so therefore we shall overcome, that, that death can't not even hold you, that there's going to be a day when you're going to look at death and say, where is your sting now? So you may not think, that you are what God is calling you, but God knows that you are what He is calling you. And the issue is lining up with what God says we are and not what we say about ourselves. Look at Gideon's response. He says, he says this when he says he, he's a mighty warrior. He says, but sir, the Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all these things happened to us? Have you ever wondered that? If the Lord is really with us, why are all this stuff happening? And, and where are all of his wonders that our fathers told us about? Look at this. Our fathers told us about when they said, Did not you bring us up out of Egypt? But the, now the Lord has abandoned us and put us in the hand of the Midians. Notice that there's no personal identity with victories of the Lord. It's all what they used to say. It's all what they were told that God did. But there was nothing present in their life today. I don't know about you, but uh, I, I'm tired of living on yesterday's blessings. I'm tired of hearing about what the Alliance did 70, 80 years ago. I, I don't want to just read their stories. I want to write our own. I want to see God do these amazing things. I want the future generations to look at us and say, look what God did there. And, and, and it will happen. And it can happen. And it does happen when God's people realize that it's not about us doing any supernatural events, but it's us owning our part in the body of Christ and doing what He's asked us to do. And that's it. John Stumbo, our, our president, and Sam and I were talking about this. He reminded me of this when he was in his inaugural uh, message. He said, of the alliance, he said, our foot is on the gas, but our eyes in the rearview mirror. We're looking at where we were and not where we're going. I think it's time that we look at where we're going. I, I, I believe that our future is bright. I think our future is, is powerful. I believe that, as the Scripture says, as sin abounds, grace does much more abound. So when I look at the world and I see the sin that's emerging and, and, the, and the depravity of men's hearts that are, that are coming to the surface, I also understand that as sin increases, grace increases. And, and the more sin, the more grace. And, and I don't know about you, but I love the grace of God. 
And the only thing that darkness does is makes the light shine even brighter. So you say, are you uh, a pessimist or an optimist? I'm, I'm optimistic all the time. I, I believe the, half, the glass is half full and we can fill the other half too. Look what, look what he says after this. He said, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? He said, he didn't say, wait until I fill you with supernatural power. He didn't say, oh, wait until I orchestrate everything. He said, go do what you can do. Go in your own strength. God asks us to do what we can do, and then he can do what only he does. Our goal is to act in faith, and it's God's goal to make up the difference. Going in strength just simply means that we do what we can and leave everything else to God. You ever been in one of those situations, you just did what you could do, and then God did the rest? Noah built the ark, but God saved them. Israel marched around the walls of Jericho, but God brought them down. Daniel remained faithful to God, but it was God that delivered him from the lions. Whatever it is in front of you, if you do what you can do, this is what God asks of, of us. Just do what you can do. It, even if it looks like it's an impossible situation, do what you can do and give the rest to God. Here's Gideon with 300 men, and he is going to try to rout thousands with 300 men. But he did what he could do, and God did the rest. He did what God asked him, and God brought the victory. So let me ask you, what, what insurmountable, insurmountable problem do you face today? What is in your life today that you think, man, I can't do this. This is so big. This is so overwhelming. This is just too big. And to be rea in reality, it probably is. But the supernatural is not, a, it's not our job. You can't conjure enough faith in yourself. You can't do all the things that, that, God, that God does. The only thing you can do is do what God asks you to do. You march around the walls and, or you build your ark and let God do the rest. That's called faith. Doing what God asks you to do and then allow Him to do the rest. This is what... But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. What is he saying? But God, I'm too pitiful. I can't do it. I'm weak. I'm frail. I can't do it. He was looking at his own inadequacies. Let me listen to this list of people. Howard Hughes, Abraham Lincoln, Shakespeare, Lord Byron, Shelley, Edgar Allan Poe, Oscar Wilde. You know what they all have in common? Every single one of them achieved greatness on some level while they were suffering from self-esteem, anxiety, or depression. Every single one of them achieved through their own weakness. 
See, I, I believe in developing our lives, and we're going through a, a soul care ministry, and it's, and it's about developing our, our understanding of who God says we are, and I believe in having a good, solid foundation in our life. And, and, but it isn't our self-image that, that fulfills the task of what God's calling us to do. It's our image of God. See, having a, a right image of who we are in Christ is absolutely amazing, and it, and it brings about blessing and virtue in our life. But I also know uh, of many people throughout history that, that have done amazing things for God that were completely messed up just because they were trusting in the Lord. So you, under, you understand what I'm saying? That, there, that we want to be healthy and whole and so we can have a right relationship with God. But when it comes to fulfilling what God wants us to do, it's not about us being whole. It's about Him being whole. It's not about us being able. It's about His ability. It's about His strength, His power, His authority, and His might. And when we act on that, that's when great things happen. We just do what we can do. God never calls us to achieve something we can't do. We just simply follow, do what we can do, and we watch him do the rest. I love what, what the Lord responds to him. And the Lord answers, I will be with you. What was he said in the Great Commission? And lo, I will be with you always. And you will strike down all the Midians together. He told him what he was going to do. He said, listen, I am with you. If God be for you, who can be against you. If God is with us, and if God has called us, and if the Lord has said, you are the body of Christ, and I have set you exactly where I want you, and the only thing I want you to do is to do what I've asked you to do, and if I have gifted you with a spirit of hospitality, then be hospitable. If I have gifted you with certain gifts, then use them to bless the body of Christ, to bless those that don't know me, and watch me do the work. We had a great ministry last night, and there was a lot of people. But do you know how many of those people we can actually save? Zero. We can't save anybody. We can't even save ourselves. But I know a God that can. And the only thing we have to do is do what He asks us to do. Trust in Him. Put our confidence in Him. And let's see Him do the amazing. Can we do that? Uh, Pastor Sam, if you would come. I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would. Here's what I'd like you to do. I want you to think about what situation you have in your life right now that seems impossible. Seems overwhelming. And you say, well, how do you know I have one? Because you're human and everybody has them. That's just part of this life. Maybe it's a relational issue that you have with uh, family or friends or a financial issue, maybe a health issue, maybe something that just seems to be out of your control. Can I ask you to do this? Ask the Lord what you can do. And then do that. Don't try to move the mountain. 
if the Lord is asking you to shovel dirt. Just shovel dirt. And if the Lord is asking you to, to pray for a person, then pray for them. If the Lord is asking you to be kind, then be kind. If the Lord is asking you to just remain faithful and watch Him do the work, then remain faithful and watch Him do the work. Just do and go as God has called you. Go in your own strength. Go and do what you can do. Trust that God is going to do His part. And then watch Him do the amazing.